Well, fresh off a weekend of fun, tomfoolery, and other such things, I'm Adam Wright, and you're with us on Monday morning, February 5th, for Roadmap to Heaven. What a great weekend it was, and what a great week it is going to be here on Roadmap. Let's start the week, let's start the day together in prayer with our morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. What a joy it is to be with you on this Monday morning. We are going to be all about getting ready for Lent this week. We are less than two weeks away. We are in the countdown, and you know we met at the uh, seat conference. Father Peter Pompicello, he's got a novena that starts tonight at nine o'clock Eastern. So for most of us listening this morning, that's eight p.m. It's going to be on his Instagram channel, and he was uh, kind enough to take a, a good amount of time last week to sit down with me, and we talked about getting ready for Lent. There was a lot to that conversation, and so we've broken it into pieces that we're going to share a little bit every day with you to help us get ready for Lent, because prep time is now. We we don't wait till Ash Wednesday to get ready for Lent. Prep time is now. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about almsgiving. Also on the show today, we're going to have John Foppy with us from the uh, Archdiocesan Conference of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul here in St. Louis to talk about some of those almsgiving ideas that we have every year, in particular If you've been thinking about doing a little uh, purging of your wardrobe or other things around your house, things that still have plenty of good life left in them, they're gently used and you're saying, you know, I wonder if this could make a difference somewhere. John's going to tell us how. Yes, they they can indeed make a difference somewhere. And then uh, we're going to have for our radio listeners a homily on the works of mercy because, well, we're going to be called to do those works of mercy, not just during the season of Lent, but every day of the year. That will set the stage for us this morning on the show. But first, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Agatha, who was a martyr. Born in Sicily in the third century, her parents were Roman nobles, and Agatha, at a young age, became a Christian convert. But this was during the reign of Decius when being accused as a Christian was essentially a death sentence. She was a beautiful young lady and attracted many suitors, including a young man named Quintanus, who was also a local judge. When Agatha refused his advances, he accused her of being a Christian, assuming she would deny her faith and marry him, and he would be the judge in the case. But Agatha refused to recant, saying, Jesus Christ, Lord of all, you know my heart, you know my desires, possess all that I am. I am your sheep. Make me worthy to overcome the devil. In an attempt to force her to change her mind, Quintanus had Agatha sent to a brothel, but she remained in faith. He sent for her again, thinking she would deny Jesus, but she refused. So he had her subjected to many tortures. St. Peter appeared to Agatha at one point, healing her wounds, but Agatha remained in prison where she eventually died, including the Blessed Mother. Agatha is one of seven women mentioned in the canon of the Mass. St. Agatha, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. 
Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which Thou intended me to become when Thou created me. For in Thy perfection I will give Thee the glory Thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. It's hard to believe it's been almost a month since we were at the Seek 24 conference, and I remember the first time I walked into Mission Way, I saw a giant truck emblazoned with images from St. Vincent de Paul. And I remembered getting an email a few weeks before the conference inviting everyone who was going to attend to pack something extra to bring with them with the intention of filling up the truck with items that could be used to serve those in need. And it got me thinking that, you know, every year when Lent rolls around, I try to make it a point to do some purging around the house, to get rid of those extra things that I don't need that I hold on to, but could be of use to someone else. And I always feel very ill-prepared for that. So I'm very happy to introduce our next guest, John Foppy, who is from the Archdiocesan Consul of St. Vincent de Paul in St. Louis. John, it's so good to have you with us today on Roadmap to Heaven. Morning, it's good to be with you. Now, one of the things I I love about the great work of St. Vincent de Paul is how it affects those most around us. And and I say that because I know at my parish we have a consul, and who do they serve? Well, they serve people in our neighborhood. They're essentially serving my neighbors. Um, but the effect of that goes beyond, because in our region we're blessed to have, um, is it nine thrift stores that benefit St. Vincent de Paul? Yes. The, the Archdiocesan Council, we operate nine thrift stores here in the St. Louis area. Wow. So, you know, as we purge, and I think every family goes through this, if not every year, um, at some point to say, you know, it's time to get rid of some things. It's time to let go of some things that I don't really need and that someone else could benefit from. What can be of use to someone else? What would a St. Vincent de Paul thrift store take? What are you looking for? I always have these question marks of, okay, well, what do I do with it? So, Our thrift stores are really powered by the generosity of neighbors, people in the community when they are cleaning out their basements and their closets. Um, And when we can take those gently used goods, whether it be, you know, clothing, shoes, purses, whether it's kitchen items, um, whether it's hospital equipment or home goods, um, rugs, artwork, linens, um, and furniture and electronics, we we really kind of take a huge variety of things. And the proceeds from those sales go to help support our poverty programs that we run out of the council here, um, whether it be uh, for utility assistance or homeless prevention. Uh, Those are some of the big needs that we're seeing right now in terms of uh, just the inflation that's hitting everybody out there. Our stores are uh, different from other thrift stores in that You mentioned the partnership that we have with our Vincentians in the conferences in that we give away about a million dollars of goods away through our vouchers 
that our Vincentians, when they are doing their work of calling on neighbors in need, maybe they're been asked to come and help with the utility assistance or, or maybe um, rent or maybe even food. Our Vincentians go two by two into people's homes and assess needs. And oftentimes they'll see um, maybe, you know, uh, folks need a bed or uh, a kitchen table. Um, maybe they, you know, have nothing in terms of just the clothes on their back and that sort of thing. So we are different in that our Vincentians, when they're making those home visits, can give the neighbor in need a voucher to go down and get uh, the goods that they need, a large selection, quality goods um, at no cost to the neighbor. Like I said, we give away about a million dollars in product away a year. Yeah, I, I thinking about all those things we have in our home that we take for granted. But John, I think one of the questions that I often wrestle with is, and you said gently used items, what are some examples of things that as I'm looking at them, you might say, you know, Adam, that's a, that's a great thought, but actually I would hold off on bringing that and donating that. That's not something that we could use. So, you know, it's really mostly common sense. Uh, it's, it's sort of things that if you yourself probably wouldn't uh, wear, if it's something that's stained, if it's torn, um, you know, really pretty damaged, that type of thing. Um, it, it's probably just let like, go of those things. And then, of course, there's, you know, there's larger items and things that we just can't take for a variety of reasons, that whether it's like uh, infant car seats, dishwashers, pianos, or, you know, very large armoires, big desks, things like that, that are just, uh, you know, really cumbersome for everybody. Those aren't the things that uh, we, we we can take. But, you know, it's not just the need that our Vincentians see when they do a home visit. It's also the need that our store managers see actually in the stores as well. Um, for those living in poverty, uh, they tend to be very uh, transient. And so why may they not have a spoon or a cup or something like that um, if they've recently been evicted or something and just don't have anything? It really gives one pause the different ways that need manifests itself. And even, um, you know, our managers will have folks come into the stores um, literally with just the, the only shirt on their back, that sort of thing. So we empower them to help address the need right then and there as well. One of the other things I enjoy about St. Vincent de Paul thrift stores in our community are there are times in life where I find myself saying, you know, John, they just don't make it like they used to. And that's where I love to go treasure hunting at stores like yours. Um, and I feel good about it, too, because I know that when I make a purchase at the thrift store, I'm also helping in that way. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about how that works. If, if, if we go and shop at the thrift stores and we, we spend our money there, how does that benefit those in need? Absolutely. The stores are open to everybody. And it's whether it's um, maybe someone in need, maybe it's just someone looking for a good deal. Um, there's also, uh, you know, treasure hunters and antique uh, aficionados, kind of like me that are, uh, you know, always looking out for some kind of rare find. And they do find them in the stores. It's all about the thrill of the hunt. So our stores serve everybody. And again, the proceeds from the stores help us uh, with the other poverty programs that we help supplement the work that's done in the conferences um, by our Vincentians. So our parish-based chapters, our conferences, if you will, 
are out, um, you know, raising their own funds. Maybe it's a fifth Sunday collection or something like that. But sometimes the need is so great with a case that they need additional funds to fill the gap. And that's where we fill in as the council. And we help, again, with things like homeless prevention. We really find it important to help stabilize people. We like to try to intervene before people are out on the streets. Uh, utility assistance is a big thing. Uh, transportation in our rural areas is for people to be able to get to uh, jobs and employment. So it's, it's a variety of different programs, all different faces of need that our Vincentians see by doing the work in your local neighborhood. It sounds like it's really the church coming alive that if a conference says, you know, we have a need here within our parish conference and we want to help, but it's more than we're able to manage on our own, they don't have to say, so sorry, I guess that's the end of the road here. There's resources then with a wider net available here in the local area to help out when that's possible. Absolutely. Hey, Vincent DePaul is an international federation, actually. It all starts in the parish. And we're we're kind of like the Boy Scouts in that we have troops and councils, you know, it starts in the parish with uh, the conference and we appear at the council. We oversee about 140 conferences here in the Archdiocese. Uh, Over 3,000 Vincentian volunteers are doing this work. Um, Our national office is here in St. Louis because that this St. Louis is where the society uh, first entered the United States when it spread from Paris, France. International headquarters is still in Paris. Uh, and we're in 150-some countries. Wow. You know, John, one of the memories I have from this past year at my parish as we've been coming together with new parishioners was when the presidents of all three consuls in our area got up and spoke at Mass, at the end of Mass, about opportunities that were available. And I thought I knew. I thought I knew, well, you know, the Vincentians, as you said earlier, they, they do these home visits. And they said, well, let's be very clear. When you get involved in your parish consul, not everyone's called to do that, but there are multiple ways to get involved and help with the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And I I was wondering, could you uh, share some of those with us? Absolutely. So again, just as there's a variety of faces of need, there's a variety of ways that people can help serve the mission. They may not be comfortable going into a home, but maybe um, someone has some financial skills and could serve as a treasurer in a conference or leadership skills, serve as a president. They could work uh, if they want that tactile experience yet, maybe in a food pantry or uh, helping do a clothing drive on a uh, church parking lot. Um, There is just a plethora of ways that you can serve. So St. Vincent de Paul Society is built on three pillars, spirituality, friendship, and service. Often people come to us because they want to make a difference in their parish and in their community. What they don't necessarily always realize is that first and foremost, we're a spiritual growth organization. Our mission is about spiritual growth of the member through service to the poor. So when those three pillars are all alive, spirituality, friendship, and service, what the society offers is a way for a person to um, serve their community, to make friends, and grow closer to God. Really uh, a pillar within uh, each parish community. Many organizations talk about how they bring life uh, to a parish, and there, and there are a variety of ways. But one thing we saw through all the needs assessments and surveys and listening sessions that was done through All Things New is that we as the St. Vincent de Paul Society really are bolstering the life in a parish. 
a Catholic presence, if you will, throughout the entire archdiocese. It's one of my favorite things about our faith that when we think we're going, you know, I, Lord, I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go be generous with my time. I'm going to go do this act of service. Uh, as a priest once said to me, he's not outdone in his generosity. And it's amazing how he transforms us. Um, it's very humbling as well and, and edifying to hear you say that, that this is about the members being transformed by Christ through their service. And it's a great example for us. If someone listening right now is saying, I would like to get involved, I imagine two places they can start are just by going to their parish bulletin and looking to see how they can get involved in the parish. But if they'd like some more information on the uh, Archdiocesan Council, is there some place they can go? Sure. Our website is svdpstl.org, as in St. Vincent de Paul, St. Louis, svdpstl.org. Our phone number here is 314-881-6000, 314-881-6000. And I also wanted to mention the phone number for folks who may want to donate things to the thrift stores and schedule a pickup. That number is 314-881-6006, 314-881-6006. All donations can be brought directly to any store. We do offer free furniture pickup outside the home by calling the call center. And there is even a premium pickup service that can be arranged for a fee uh, when people have things that they need to get rid of uh, more quickly. Let's see, the more you know. I, I thought it was on me to take it to my local store. John, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing the good work that you and the Vincentians do, not just in our parish, not just in our archdiocese, but across our listening area, across the nation, and across the world. And listeners, I want to issue a challenge to, to you and to me. How about the next time we're out doing some shopping, whether it's for ourselves, for our kids, for our spouse, and we go to buy ourselves a shirt or a jacket or a pair of pants, whatever it may be, socks even, we buy one or two more with the intention of we're going to take something new, not just something gently used, but something new to donate to those who are in need. It's a habit that if we get in that little habit, it can make a big difference. John, thank you for being with us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. A Prayer to Redeem Lost Time by St. Teresa of Avila. O oh my God, source of all mercy, I acknowledge your sovereign power. While recalling the wasted years that are past, I believe that you, Lord, can in an instant turn this loss to gain. Miserable as I am, yet I firmly believe that you can do all things. Please restore to me the time lost, giving me your grace, both now and in the future, that I may appear before you in wedding garments. Amen. Here's a question for you this morning, a little catechism, if you will. How many works of mercy are there, and what is the breakdown in the number between the two categories? That is to say, how many spiritual works of mercy are there, and how many corporal works of mercy are there? Add those two numbers together, you get the answer we're looking for, and how many total? And the answer is 14, 7 and 7, 7 spiritual, 7 corporal. Can you name them? Can you name them? Let's see what you know. Here's the seven spiritual works of mercy. To admonish the sinner, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to comfort the sorrowful, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive all injuries, and to pray for the living 
and the dead. The corporal works of mercy also numbered seven to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to clothe the naked, to ransom the captive, to harbor the harborless, to visit the sick, and to bury the dead. Now, the Baltimore Catechism says we can know spiritual from corporal works of mercy for whatever we do for the soul is a spiritual work. And whatever we do for the body is a corporal work. And right before the break, we said, you know, getting into the habit of a little thing can make a big difference in our lives. And this morning, I had a very real and tangible experience with that. Every time I go to, uh, you know, we we get pretty dry skin sometimes. It's just the way our complexion is. So if I don't put uh, lotion on my hands at least once a day... I get dry, cracked, and very painful skin, and I, you know, I don't want to get any lotion on my wedding ring, so I always take it off and I put it in the same spot in a dish on my nightstand. And yesterday, for whatever reason, I didn't do that. And you know when I realized that this morning, as I'm trying to get out of the house to get the kids to where they need to go, so I can get to the studio on time, and I had that moment of panic because I didn't do that one little thing, that one little discipline of when you take your wedding ring off, Adam, to do this or to do that, you put it in this spot and this spot only. Well, what are those spiritual or corporal works that we should be doing every day that we're not, and we're not even aware of the difference it's making? I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but I do know this. The season of Lent is a great time to take stock of these things and to say, what are we going to do to get very intentional about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? We were able to sit down with a priest. I, I know him as Father Uncle Sam. His name is Father Peter Pompicello. We met him about a month ago. And we were talking about Lent and getting ready for Lent. And friends, we are in the pre-season of Lent. This is the time to figure out what we're doing. And so let's go. We're going to bring you this interview all week long. It's, it's long, so we're just going to bring you a chunk every day. Let's dive into piece number one today. A few weeks ago, we were at the Seek 24 conference, and I met this priest from the Archdiocese of New York, currently on loan to the Archdiocese for Military Services as a chaplain and chaplain recruiter. His name is Father Peter Pompicello. Some know him as Father Uncle Sam, and we were talking at Seek, and I thought, all right, we got to have Father back on. And as we're in the pregame, the preseason, the, the time of planning and getting ready for Lent, I thought this is the time to have Father on because, you know, what do we do in Lent, friends? We give things up. And who better to talk about what you can live without than a guy that's had to live without it because he's been deployed a few times. Father, it's great to have you back with us on Roadmap to Heaven. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, right off the bat here, let's let's cut to the chase on this. It's a time of preparation. We're getting ready for Lent. We're not in Lent yet, but it is close. And you're getting ready to send us out on mission. It's Operation Ashes to Glory, February 5th through 13th. Every night you're going to be on your Instagram channel live, uh, sharing some things to help us get prepared for Lent. And Father, I remember when you and I were talking about the possibility of having you back on and specifically on this topic, we kept coming back to to one parallel. I thought it was going to be, what can you give up? Let's ask the guy that's gone out into the desert literally on a few occasions. Uh, but what it really came back to is preparation. Preparation, preparation, preparation. And you taught me the term H-. minus. So I want to start there. Uh, as we're in this pre-Lent and we're getting ready for Operation Ashes to Glory, what the heck are we talking about when we say H minus? All right. So we're, this is the planning phase for the operation. Nobody wants to wake up on, on Ash Wednesday morning, like surprised that like, you know, we're, we're fat from king cake and we had a great Mardi Gras and it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, it's Ash Wednesday. Oh, yeah. What are we doing for Lent? Now is the time for us to plan and prepare because the failure to plan is a plan to fail. So we're at H minus 16. Let me explain that. Military operations, they have a start date. 
we have a start date. Hopefully the enemy doesn't know our start date, but we know our start date. So I can bring it back to a classic military operation, June 6th, 1944, Operation Overlord, which everyone knows from Saving Private Ryan and the Band of Brothers as the D-Day invasion. D-Day, another another term for D-Day, that's that's the that's the day of deployment or H hour is what we call it as well. So H hour, H zero is the, would be June 6th. That's H hour. That's when the operation begins. But the planning, the preparation and the training beforehand, that happens days and months before. So right now, I like to think of it that we're at H minus 16. We're 16 days from Ash Wednesday. And on H minus nine, we're going to start a novena nine days before Ash Wednesday, Operation Ashes to Glory. We'll start our, our novena, and together we can get together and we'll make a war plan. We're, it's not going to be Lent yet, but we'll, we'll get ready for the traditional disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving so that we can give God our all this Lent. I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think this parallel of training and getting ready and putting a plan into action are so vital. Um, the first priest I met in the Archdiocese for military services, he's now actually a bishop, was uh, Bishop Joseph Coffey when he was stationed here in St. Louis, living at our cathedral rectory. And he was doing the same thing you were doing. He was recruiting chaplains. But he was telling us a story, he, and he's told it on this show before, about how he was given permission by his bishop to go and serve in the Archdiocese for military services, which meant he had to go through training. He was at the military base, and they run them all into this hut, for lack of a better term, and they're yelling at them, and they've got their gas masks, and what are they going to do? They are going to throw the gas in. Like, this is not... I mean, it is a drill, but it's it, it's not a pretend thing. Like, okay, here's how you put your gas mask on. It's you're going to do this because we are actually going to throw gas in there. You're going to tear up. It's going to be miserable. You're going to hate it. But it's better that you learn to do it now in this controlled environment where as, as much as you're going to hate it, you'll, you'll still be alive than out in a battlefield where if you get this wrong trying to do it the first time, that could be the difference between life or death. So when we talk about getting ready for Lent in preparation, Father, I, I want to draw a couple lines here. One, we are the church militant. We're the church fighting the battle right now between good and evil, between God's will and what the devil's trying to tempt us with. So this is some spiritual combat we're getting ready for. And two, as you just said, if we're waiting until we wake up on H Day on the third, on the uh, 14th, and, oh, it's, it's Ash Wednesday today, uh, I guess I better figure something out. Well, that'd be like the troops on Operation Overlord saying, oh, everybody, let's just meet up on the beaches in uh, Normandy at about, oh, what do you think, 6 o'clock on, on that morning? That, will that work out for everybody? Can you get there? You know, we, we got to get ready. Roger that. No, that's that's absolutely spot on. And, you know, I've, I've been through that training, too, with the gas mask. And, and they, they we create a crisis in training. You know, that there's something to be said for, of course, we put on our gas masks before we were in that tent to try it. And you... You actually push on the filters and blow out so that you can trust the equipment and trust the process. But there's really no replacing that process when we actually put CS gas in the canister. And then you now you really trust the equipment. And then you know that it works because they actually have you take it off and create that crisis of you. You tear up, you well up, you, you're, you're just like, Oh, you're, it's just a, a hot mess. And you actually have to say something and breathe it in a little bit. It's, it's uncomfortable. And, and that's Lent. That's Lent. It's, it's, it's kind of 
a real created crisis. We're going to create a crisis of fasting. We're going to hold back from pleasures and satisfying appetites so that we can give ourselves to the Lord and we can trust our training. We can trust our prayers. We can entrust ourselves to him even more. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into these three things here, because these are all important, and uh, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And I want to start with prayer, because this is what we always start with. You have a video on your Instagram channel that we mentioned, and I love it. You're talking about uh, the airborne, going out of the airplane with your parachute, and that there's a uh, a couple things you have to do in order here. Let's see if I can remember it. You have to uh, you have to pull the chute. That's number one. Or you have to pack the chute. You have to pull the chute. And you have to st- stabilize yourself here. And then you drew some analogies. Uh, so, so give us the, give us the running order here for both parachuting and prayer. What do we need to well, do, so for, and, and why does the order matter? <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Because in, in skydiving, you have to pull. you got to pull on time, and then you, you want to pull, pull on time, and then you want to pull when you're stable in the air. But when you're learning how, when you're a student, the most important things in those or, in that order, the most important thing you do is you pull that parachute. So you have a canopy over your head that's going to get you on the ground safely. You want to pull on time showing that demonstrates that you have an awareness of your altitude. You have an awareness. You're calm. You're, you're collected. You, you, you have a, a good confidence in the skills that you're doing as a skydiver. And then you're pulling when you're stable so that your belly to the ground the chute's going to deploy as best it, as, as it's meant to deploy and give you a nice full chute without any twists or malfunction. But notice the order. If you don't know where you are in the sky and you're like, wait a minute, I don't know how low I am. I went through a cloud or I, I got disoriented. I'm too scared. I'm too, I, I pull, I got to get a shoot out. I got to pull. I got to pull that chute. No matter if it's on time or if, if even if my body's unstable, even if like, oh, wow, I'm struggling. I can't. I, no, I want to get around. No, because here's the joke in, in skydiving that thou shalt. It's kind of like a, a command of skydiving. Thou shalt respect thine altimeter, lest the ground rise up and strike thee. So there's your, there's your skydiving joke for the day. <laughs> lest ha- the ground rise up and strike thee. <laughs> So you've got to pull. You need you need to shoot. And and I think from from a prayer point of view, for us, we're entering to into Lent in just in in just about two weeks. We have to we have to reorient ourselves to prayer. And even in even in times when we're distracted and we don't want to pray or we feel we kind of we kind of rationalize and say oh, I don't know if I have my time for my prayers today. No, I have to pray. I have just like I have to pull that chute. Ideally, on time at the altitude that I want and when I'm in a stable position, yeah, I want to pray when I feel good about things and, and, I'm, I, and I know I have the time. But even when I'm in crisis, I got to learn how to, how to pray even in a crisis when I'm not in the position that I feel like I'm not really in the best spot to pray. Like I'm, I'm distracted or I'm so angry. I'm, I'm angry with this situation that I'm dealing with. You've got to pray. We've got to pray. It's, 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 to to and, use and your I, analogy, it's, you know, Respect the uh, watch, lest the pillow rise up and strike thee, and you've run out of time for the day. But Very Father, you, you gave me some specifics when we were getting ready for today, that it's not just about saying, okay, this Lent, you know, more intense prayer. I'm going to pray. You want us to commit to a couple things when it is 
you know, H day and we're going to hit the ground running in prayer. What are those things? And to find out the answer to that, you got to join us tomorrow morning. What's Father asking us to commit to? Now, i got a little news for you. We are no longer at H-16. That was the day that Father and I were able to have this long conversation. Today is H-9. We are nine days away. The novena to get ready for Lent starts tonight. You can find Father on Instagram at father.unclesam. On Instagram, Father Peter Pompicello, and that novena begins on the live stream tonight at 8 o'clock. But tune in tomorrow morning on Roadmap to Heaven as we dive into the next part of this, specifically talking about what we're going to do to pray during the season of Lent. So that's tomorrow morning. We are going to take a break. We've got We the Kingdom with Child of Love, followed by the weather and our daily dose of encouragement. A prayer for the gift of wisdom. Great is the wisdom of the Lord. God Almighty, your wisdom includes an understanding of what is fair, what is logical, what is true, what is right, and what is lasting. It mirrors your pure intellect. I entreat you to grant me such wisdom, that my labors may reflect your insight. Your wisdom expands in your creations, displaying complexity and multiplicity. Your wisdom is an eternity ahead of man. May your wisdom flourish forever. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. As we begin the first full week of the month here, it's time for a new theme on our Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. Patty, what is in store this week? Well, one of the things I love most about the Catholic Church is that she preserves sacred scripture, preserves the doctrine of the faith, preserves the memory of the saints, and preserves sacred art all throughout the world. This week, I want to look at one particular form of art and beauty. Poetry. Now, most of us don't spend a lot of time reading poetry. Most of us don't write poetry. We've become too busy to concern ourselves with poetry. But this is a loss. It's a loss of creativity. And this week, I want to share a few treasures from the rich treasure chest of spiritual poetry that has been preserved by the Catholic Church. And I think it's good for us to just slow down and read a poem now and again to ponder its meaning and maybe be inspired to write one ourselves. Poetry is the language of the heart. And who better than our Lord, the lover of our soul, to be the object of poetry? So this first one that I'm going to share today, I found in the book, Mystery of the Altar, Daily Meditations on the Eucharist by Kenneth Howell and Joseph Crownwood. It's a Byzantine Greek poem from the fourth century. Imagine that fourth century. And of course, it's been translated, but here it is. I want to just share this with you today. Today, we have beheld our Lord Jesus Christ on the altar. Today, we have grasped the coal of fire of which the cherubim sang in a shadow. Today we have heard that great and sweetest voice crying out, this is the body that burned off the thorns of sin and enlightens human souls. This is the body 
the woman with a hemorrhage touched and was delivered from her suffering. This is the body that the daughter of the Canaanite woman saw and was healed. This is the body that the prostitute, by approaching with her whole soul, wiped away the filth of her sins. This is the body that Thomas touched and cried out, my Lord and my God. This is the body that brought us so great a wondrous a salvation. Maybe this will spur you in your prayer today to ponder the body which you receive at Mass and all that his body did while he walked the earth. Poetry does have a way of capturing so much with relatively few words. And it's not just for the saints or people that we think are holier than us. Anyone can write spiritual poetry. Children can write poems to God. Try your hand at some spiritual poetry this week. It's not so hard. Maybe you can write a poem in which each line begins, this is the body, and then see where God takes you. Well, there you have our homework for the week. Think about that as you pray today. How would you complete that sentence, this is the body, that? Patty, thank you for today's dose of encouragement. Well, we are very quickly running out of time today. I'm thinking a lot of Father Emil Capen, who went to seminary right here in my hometown, but he's from the Diocese of Wichita, Kansas, and served during the Korean War. and had the opportunity to get out when their unit was facing almost certain capture. He had the opportunity to get out, but he stayed with the men. He sacrificed his comfort, his safety, his health to go and minister to those troops that he was there to minister to, ultimately dying in captivity, and his stories are inspiring. Well, we're not even being asked to do something that dramatic. We're asked to get very intentional about prayer, fasting, and almsgiving as we head out into the desert on this H-9 day, getting ready for Lent. So what are you going to do? What are going to be your works of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving? If you need more time to think about it, well, we're going to give you this week. We're going to focus on it every day here on the show. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church. Pray for us, St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Don't forget to pray your rosary today.